Well, we've been talking tonight about things that you've bought that have stood the test of time. Uh, Sizzling Steve in North Van, thank you for this one. My toaster has been working for over 35 years. He sent me a nice picture of it, the Silex one. That's a good one. I paid about $12 for it at London Drugs. <laughs> That's perfect. It has one of those great little buttons on it, you know, that 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 you just slide along to see how how dark you want the toast. It goes from light to darkest. I love those because they work. They work. I have one of those toaster ovens now. You can never figure out how long it takes it to sort of stand there and watch it. Thanks for that one, Steve. Uh, the reason we talk about this is because um, the producer, Brennan Clack, was reading this great article recently about how everything we buy these days feels like it isn't quite as well made as things used to be. Now, that has always been the way. I brought up this example of my grandmother who used to win prizes curling. She was a really good curler. One of the prizes she used to seem to win more often than not was an electric can opener. And there are only so many electric can openers you can use, right? Well, she had this Westinghouse one that she must have won in the 60s because it had that sort of teal green look to it that was a big popular color in the 60s. It had a knife sharpener in the back. It was obviously the can opener in the front. And this sat on her kitchen counter for the entire time that I knew her. Decades. It never broke. She had others because she had won others. She never used another one because that one simply refused to give up. And this was the most basic of kitchen appliances at the time. Um, so you must have looked at something that you've bought over the years and thought, wow, that is really well made. And I'm so happy that it lasts. And you must have other things that you've bought and thought, wow, that really isn't well made. Maybe clothing, electronics, home appliances, you know, the old saying goes, there's nothing in this world that someone cannot make a little worse and sell a little cheaper. And it feels like over the past decades, we've really become a society built on that. Now, there are some good things about that. It means a lot more people have access to a lot more stuff. You know, even back in the day, you watch old movies or read old books. People had, you know, two sets of clothes, one pair of shoes. I mean, we have access to a lot more stuff these days. Maybe it doesn't last as long but it's still pretty well made and it means a lot more of us can have it, have access to it. So that's good. Uh, but if you look at it overall, you know, it's sort of a vicious circle because several generations of people now are conditioned to buy the new thing and then to keep replacing it. So companies in turn, that's how they sell us stuff. Why wouldn't they? In turn, they amp up production. It's less that objects are intended to break. So that sort of whole idea of forced obsolescence where it's in fact, the manufacturers that build in the, the you know build in a time frame for these products so they'll fall apart eventually, but rather that we're so used to replacing stuff and looking for a better thing uh, that we go out and buy new things anyways. And better doesn't always mean longer lasting. So c c companies are really not incentivized to make things last for good. And some of the stuff that you look at and you think, oh, maybe that'll last forever. It's really expensive, right? You have to pay a premium for better made stuff. Uh, which I guess has always been the case. But, you know, if it comes down to, do I want this cell phone case to last for 20 years? The chances are absolutely not. It'll last for a few. That's all I need it for, right? Well, to help us out with this, we thought we'd reach out to someone who knows design. Matthew Bird teaches industrial design at the Rhode Island School of Design. And he joins us to discuss this topic. Thanks for your time tonight. It's a pleasure. Happy New Year to you. 
Now, this feels like a topic that has been talked about for years. I mean, I remember looking at some of the stuff that was in my late grandmother's home and thinking, wow, I can't believe it lasted for so long. You know, she had an electric can opener that lasted for decades. It feels like things don't have the same durability these days. Is it true? Is it just our imagination or are things truly not as well made now as they were even a few decades ago? Well, as someone who studies design history, I'd have to point out that unless your grandmother is extraordinarily old, the conversation is much older than she. Like it would go back before the Industrial Revolution. You know, when we when we first learned how to roll metal into sheets and one manufacturer rolled it a little thinner than another, there was probably conversation about the thinness of that metal being a cheaper good somehow. So I, I don't think it's a new topic. Right. And I don't know that there's a neat answer to your question, because I think, of course, things are horrible now and they're made terribly and they last for five seconds and we're awful. But I think people have been saying that always, you know, and I think there are many things that are actually quite a bit better now than they ever used to be. It all just collides with a whole bunch of other sort of requirements that we throw on our objects. So it's not a neat conversation. I hope you can roll up your sleeves. It's it's going to be messy. Yes, indeed, because there's a whole bunch of factors at play here. We often talk about forced obsolescence, this idea that companies make products that fall apart after have a certain amount of uh, shelf life and then they fall apart. So we'll go and buy new things. Uh, but it's been pointed out many times, I think you pointed this out, there's also consumer demand. We want new things. Therefore, the things we buy, we don't demand that the things we buy be everlasting, so to speak. Absolutely. And ultimately, it is the consumer demand that runs everything. Manufacturers are, are merely meeting our demands the best way they can. If we want to blame anyone, we have to blame ourselves. At the same time, I don't think we're in a position to change it. Why is that? Because I think if you asked people, you know, if you appealed to their intellect, they would say, you know, I bought this coffee maker and I hope this coffee maker lasts forever. Maybe this will be the last coffee maker I'm ever going to buy. But we know that our own habits have changed so fundamentally, especially, I guess, over the last half century or so, that the truth is we're going to want to buy a new coffee maker at some point. Um, so so how, how do you square that circle? Well, I, I think also anybody who says, I want this coffee maker to last for the rest of my life isn't being honest with themselves because they're still buying a less expensive coffee maker than some of the other options. So if you said this coffee maker that's $400 will last the rest of your life, and this coffee maker that will only last for about four years is $30, I don't think there are many people who are going to spend $400 to buy the fancier coffee maker or the more durable coffee maker. It, it is very difficult in a world where we earn our money and we have to care how we spend it to voluntarily sacrifice more of that money for some future good that you can't really feel today is a difficult ask for most people, I think. There are sort of three things that designers focus on, appearance, mm. functionality, yeah. and manufacturability. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Appearance and functionality still seem to be fine, right? I mean, things look nice. So the functionality, things yeah. work usually as they are supposed to, but it's the manufacturability where things continue to evolve and change. And maybe that's where we notice things aren't as well made as we think they were in the past. Yeah. I have to challenge you on that also, because I don't happen to think things look good now at all. Good. I think things look manufactured now. We pretend that we enjoy the aesthetic of manufacturing. When in fact, then we go, like if you buy an iPhone, you then buy a case that you like to stick around that iPhone that is generic, right? So we're actually altering our manufactured goods to suit ourselves because they no longer bother. They have no aesthetics. They're just generic. So I'm not sure I can support your claim on that front. But yes, we are, I would say since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, but ever more since World War II, we are looking at the manufacturing process as one of the first steps in design and engineering so that the things we're making can be made more quickly in a smoother sort of manner 
and with less problem. And that theoretically produces a better object or at least a, a more affordable object. It doesn't necessarily produce a, a longer lasting object. Why is it that we feel things aren't as well made as they used to be? Um, it's it's something we've been talking about, as I was mentioning off the top. It's something we I talked about, you know, with my grandmother forty years ago. That things that she was buying were better made forty, you know, earlier than they were when she was buying them in the eighties. And here we are, forty years later, having the same conversation. One of the things that was pointed out, and this was interesting, is fast fashion. Of course, um, you know, this idea of of, of being able to buy clothes that don't last for very long and why perhaps fast fashion was even was better made 10 years ago is that 10 years ago we were paying roughly the same price there's a real price pressure i think on a lot of consumer goods that winds up meaning they're just not as well made as they used to be that's all true i i also just want to point out that your grandmother was right of course things are not made as well now as they used to be but many many more people can afford better quality things than they used to be able to of course. So for those of us who had stuff 100 years ago, 50 years ago, it's a tragedy that the world is full of crap. But for people who couldn't afford a, a quality of lifestyle or a set of pots and pans, they now can. So I think it's also important to remember that that sense of nostalgia for a better time and a better day and a better quality product leaves a lot of people out. So does, in, yeah. in today's conversations about our search for equity and, you know, and, and looking for a way to have a more equitable existence on this planet, it's true that we're destroying the environment with cheap disposable goods, but we're also elevating the quality of life for people. And that's the struggle. That's really what we need to reconcile if we're going to get the relationship between consumption and existence better balanced. Yeah. And there are things, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, there are things today that are certainly better made now than they were 20 years ago. I can think of many things that were that are better made now uh, than, than, than they were in the past. I mean, you know, the electronics are pretty well made these days. They're pretty durable. Um, you know, even relatively inexpensive home appliances seem to last pretty well these days. I mean, there seems to be a lot of things that are well made. And also they exist today and didn't used to. I mean, there, there are so many products that we have access to now that we couldn't have dreamt of back then which is not a small thing. When you look at the, the, and you mentioned it already, this idea of um, if we were to not dispose of things, I suppose it would it would dictate spending more on something we can keep for longer. Uh, but you've mentioned that, that that just isn't practical for most folks. Uh, what what, what I'd love to yeah. see happen is, mm. is hold manufacturers accountable for making things repairable. Right. Because for me, that's, that is the biggest problem with especially technology. You know, if you look at Apple, they have, scores and scores of patents, not for how their things work, but for how their things are sealed shut so we can't open them. Every new generation of computer has a new kind of screw that we're not allowed to open. The new computers are sealed shut with magnets and with adhesives, so they can't be repaired, except under sort of special circumstances. And that generates a sort of built-in kind of obsolescence and waste that is, I think, criminal. And so if we could start getting all of our manufactured goods to be made in a way that considers their longevity, maybe not in their original state, but as something that's repaired or reused or incorporated into something else, we'd be making a big step forward. Yeah, that's one thing you notice even as you wander the streets of any city, if you knew it when and you know it now, is the disappearance of the repair shop. Um, of of all of all kinds, uh, you know, not just from from clothing to electronics across the spectrum. And the repair shops that exist now have the big warning that says, okay, we'll fix it, but you are invalidating every aspect of your warranty by doing this. Exactly. So so when we look at um when we look at where we go from here, I think there's been certainly in the last 
while, it feels like there's been a, a great reckoning about um, some of the dangers of this. You know, we went through that period in the early knots where fast fashion sort of came roaring in. Uh, people were seduced by it. It was cheap. It looked good for a while, at least. Now it feels like there is a real emphasis coming on 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 more sustainability when it comes to all things, including consumer goods. Are you seeing that in the in the in where you are as well? I'm seeing a lot of conversation about it. I'm seeing that the public is is eager for more sustainable products. I'm also seeing that manufacturers are not able to join that conversation. We're living in a world now, especially with with the distance things travel, how far they're coming from where they're made, uh, how they're made so far away from where they're invented or created. All of that makes changes in sustainability very, very difficult. I find one of the issues, and, and, and this exists here, is we've seen some offshoring now. We've seen a, a little bit of the retraction of that sort of everything is made abroad and there's there are things being made closer to home now. Uh, but a lot of it's just because of the cost of labor and the cost of, of materials. And so a lot of it's very expensive. And therein lies a bit of the problem. This stuff that is uh, that fits the bill in terms of sustainability is often comes with a really big price tag. And that is that can be uh, you know prohibitive for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's the problem. I think at the moment, we're seeing a conversation about sustainability and about longevity and design as something that is a real elitist conversation. It's something that only a few people can afford to really support. There's a wonderful quotation from a famous designer named Henry Dreyfus, who was working mm -hmm. in the from the 30s all the way through the, the, the uh, mid-60s. And he wrote, in our fast-changing world, nothing seems so obsolete as the idea of planned obsolescence. We will see products becoming functionally obsolete so fast, it will seem absurd to think of ways of making them stylistically obsolete. So he wrote that at the time when people were making things intentionally style-focused, like automobiles new every year. And right. he was saying, we're going to have better things all the time. We don't need to also make them prettier things. And I think about that a lot when I go to a, a large store and I see the sort of row of, of clothing irons where one is ever swoopier than the other, or sneakers, or... Uh, and anything where they're manipulating the style to try and lure me in. Uh, I think don't give me a different sneaker, give me a better sneaker. Yeah. And we've seen the evolution there too. I mean, certainly when it comes to something like running shoes, they've, they've advanced the technology to make them easier to run and easier on your knees. And so, I mean, we, we're seeing these advances. I always think, when you look at this, like I talked about my, my grandmother's electric can opener that because she used to win a lot of them curling. That's a very Canadian thing. And she only ever used one. The other sat in boxes uh, for, for decades because she only needed the one. What products do you think are out there today that will look back with with fondness in 15 years because they were well made? Oh, that's a that's an impossible question to answer. It I is. think if I close my eyes and think back on any product that I truly treasure, it has nothing to do with its longevity. It has to do with the memories it created. True. Was I happy when I used this? Was I in love when I used this? You know, was I thin when I used this? I don't know, whatever the <laughs> metric. Those are the products that 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 stay in my heart, right? That I've had something for a long time isn't necessarily the winning prize, although it is what we need to focus on for a lot of the other problems we have in today's world. So I think there are two separate answers to that, right? Which, which products do I have that I've had a long time? Uh, you know, I, I own a record player that was my grandparents and wow. I own a turntable that was my father's, but that that's predicated on my living in a world where vinyl still has value. So this is, they're all messy conversations. There's no, there's no neat answer to any of this. 
Yeah, I, I guess you know there there is always that idea that uh, some of the things you buy now, you, you you buy something that you once loved, you buy a new version of it, falls apart quickly, and you think, wow, things aren't as well made as they used to be. But that's kind of a that's kind of a myopic view, I guess. Matthew Bird, thank you so much for your time. It's a it's a pleasure. Thank you.